G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our weekly live Q&A. Tonight we're not fortunate enough to be speaking with Adrian Carpenter from Bearmark Kelpies. Adrian will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they'll be winning a bag of Enduro Plus, high energy food for working dogs with kangaroo meat. Hi Adrian, how are you going? Good. How are you going? Yeah, good, thank good, you. Good, thanks mate. So let's start off. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. Um, I live in a place called Cressy in Tasmania, which is in the northern end of Tasmania. Um, manage a place here, uh, or two places here for the one owner. One's got 40,000 acres, and the other one's got 10,000. Um, mainly doing the li livestock. Um, a couple of us do livestock nearly all the time which I've got a Kelpie stud called Bema Kelpies. Yeah, so we've got Angus cattle, crossbred sheep, and Merino self-replacing flock with some Merino weathers. You've said we a few times, mate. How, how many people working on the property there? Uh, there's six of us at the moment. Yeah, yeah right. She's big enough. Yeah, keeps us busy. Mate, what's, uh, what's the country you're working on like, and does it require a certain type or style of dog? Oh, it varies, varies really. There's flat country. There's sort of pretty, being Tasmania, there's a fair bit of hilly sort of country. Then there's bush, like pretty thick bush that we run some weathers in. And then we've got country up in the highlands, which we run the cattle in, which is a fair bit of scrub. And, and yeah, just a basic set of cattle yards. So, yeah. And you are mentioning before, a little bit earlier before we got on that, uh, always good with the water, with the river running through and a bit of rain, good rain, um, rainfall? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we've got quite a few pivots. And um, on the place up in the highlands, it's flood irrigated. We can um, just open a few channels up and we can flood irrigate it during the summer. So it ends up being a pretty good summer block. So have you? did you grow up in Tassie or move there? No, I grew up in Tassie on the east coast of Tassie. Yeah, lived there till I moved here 11 years ago. Yeah. All right. I'm sort of um, over there. I managed a little smaller place, but mainly I shore for 15 years and then wool classer for another 10 and then come over and done this job. Yeah, yeah right. I haven't got too far from home, mate. No. Nice and comfy. <laughs> yeah. So bit colder, bit colder <laughs> over here on the east coast, but yeah. Where did your passion for livestock and working dogs come from? Oh, my grandfather, as a young fella, he used school holidays. My grandfather was a stocky, so spent most of my school holidays either with him or in a shearing shed. So my father was a shearer, so that's spent all, all my school holidays either going with my grandfather or my father. So, yeah. Really, yeah. Um, so how are you using dogs in your day-to-day um, -day life at the moment? Big pardon? How are you using dogs in your day-to-day -day life at the moment? Oh, yeah, every day I use them. Like I've a mustering, we put a, or we're just weaning lambs and that at the moment. So a bit of yard work there, drafting lambs, jetting sheep, and, yeah, then we'll be crutching next week. So, yeah, nearly every day I've got them with me. How close are those dogs to the ones your, your grandfather and your dad used to use? In shearing shed, oh, a long way away. They were. It was a bit different back in them days. There wasn't too many purebreds. 
if somebody had a good dog, you took his dog, your dog around to him and mated him, and that was between Smithies and Border Collies and a bit of Kelpie. There wasn't that many Kelpies about over that way. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the current team you've got there at the moment. I've got all Kelpies at the moment. Um, do play around with the Border Collie every now and then, but um, um, got a bit of a job. Joy um, Moore's bloodline in wide, wide wine bar. Um, mm. Got three dogs there. Uh, got one from Neil Lynch and a couple of bred myself, which go back to Gary White stuff. And those particular lines are suiting you what you're doing there, or is it you toying with different stuff, or what? Yeah, uh, those particular breeds. Yeah, they're, they're doing most of my work. I probably lack. What I call what old school like real mustering dog like to do the bush work. You sort of need another different type of dog to do that. I reckon in um, or very few of them that you get to do full on yard work and that might the ones I've got now can sort of do paddock mustering and hill mustering. But the, the real bush dog which you don't will don't usually take into the yards as often. Yeah, I wouldn't mind another real good one. Then I had a good scoriaki one years ago, which sort of more or less jump off the bike and you didn't say another word and you'd bring them back to your cattle or sheep. So I'd oh, chase yeah. something like that again. Only way that dog sounds like he could have got better if he could ride the bike himself. <laughs> no, he's all right. Though. Yeah. And uh, why why Kelpies, mate? Oh, uh, there's um, there's as good a border collies out there as kelpies i just haven't come across them i've found the ones that i've mucked a bit ain't as versatile as the kelpies i've got so yeah i just reckon the versatility you do a lot more yard work than you used to do so you need that bit more punch in the yards now like because you put weighing so many lambs and putting things through the yards a lot more often than you once used to so yeah just the versatility with the kelpie i'm finding yeah, and they'll work cattle, the ones that, because we're doing as much cattle, a fair bit of cattle work. So, you know, you could head off with a ute load of dogs and you could be doing anything from mustering a side of a hill to pushing a bull back into a paddock or something. So they've got to be able to do most farm jobs. Why do you think you're doing more yard work these days? Oh, just because of the fat lamb job being so good and you're weighing them before you sell them. You know, you're drenching them. You seem to just be handling sheep a lot more. You 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 rotate your sheep more than you used to. There's a lot of set stocking before. Yeah. Yep. So, what type or style of dog do you prefer? I like a dog that treats his stock good. Um, I don't like a, a dog that hassles hassles sheep all the time. A dog that thinks for himself and. And but it's still, if push comes to shove, we deal with a lot of crossbred ewes, and they soon sort out your dog whether they're or same as an Angus cow. They've yeah. got to have a bit of kicker, so you you know get the job done that way. I don't like not getting the job done. <laughs> and has that changed from where you started with with dogs getting into it? Like has it has that style of dog changed for you? Oh, because I was shear contracting and. And mucking about like that, I just had a more full-on shed dog, sort of get them out of the paddock sort of dog. 
more than a mustering dog where I've I've tried to find a dog with a bit more feel outside, but keep the strength in them. Yeah. So are you breeding many pups these days? Not a lot, really. Um, probably two litters a year, just to get one for myself. And usually have a few people want want one or two. So, yeah. No. How's how's that going for you, mate? You are retaining them? Yeah, I've got a couple still here, and yeah, one. Oh, Tim, the bloke that works for me, does as much stock work as I do. Um, he he's got one of mine, and he goes all right. And the one I've got goes pretty well. They're a couple I bred, and I've got another young one coming on that I bred myself. Yeah. What do you like about the ones you're breeding? Oh, what I like and dislike. Yeah, there's a bit of both, but um, yeah, no, they've got enough strength that they're all round. They can do a day in the yard, but also go and muster most things I want want to do. Yeah. How do you go about picking a pup for yourself? <laughs> uh, there's no real secret to that, I don't think. I just like one that likes you. It's probably the boldest one in the litter. Other than that, yeah, luck of the draw, really. Luck of the draw? You don't have any, oh, any special yeah, little Sometimes I look for one with a big white head. Hopefully yeah. there's more brains, more brains, more in, brains it. in there. How's that theory going so far? Oh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> then there's no particular colour or, or agenda no. that you prefer? No. No, very cool. What advice would you give to anyone wanting to purchase um, their first dog or a pup? Oh, well, yeah, like I said, I, I go for the boldest one in the litter. Yeah. yeah. And and if it's your first pup, that usually ends up all right because the biggest trouble you have when you get a few dogs, you don't spend enough time with them. Usually when you when you got just the one and it's your first one, you want to want it to be all right and usually does end up pretty good. The first one, if he's got a bit of brooding behind him, because you spend all that time with him, you take him everywhere with you. Is that something you notice? Like a lot of people that spend all that time in in what with one pup, you know, they can go take that dog a bit further rather than people have a few pups and they might not get what they necessarily could have by spending all that time. Yeah, I, I, I and I'm, I always say, and the blokes if they listen or laugh because I always say. Um, you don't need any two more than two pups at a time, but somehow you end up with four or five. And yeah, just, you don't spend enough time with them. In my job, when you're sort of pretty flat out, it's all right if you've got a bit more time, but you should only have one or two pups at a time. Yeah. This away from work, do you spend time with your pups much? Yeah, yeah. Most weekends I try to muck about. Tim comes down and we have a bit of a three or four of us sometimes have a bit of a play around with our pups and see yeah. who's got what. Yeah. And how much time would you spend with your pup away from stock? Oh, they're always running around here and, yeah, um, I don't know how you put a time on it. Sometimes you, you spend a fair bit of time with them. Um, my partner, Kristen, she probably spends more time with them than me when they're real young. And, uh, and oh, like, then you start to show them sheep and you muck about, but I don't try and do too much. I let them go bowl along in, on their own accord when they're young a bit just to see what they've got and then when they when they're getting a bit more serious start doing a little bit with them a uh, question here from chris hicks 
If you're not having a great training session with a dog, how do you finish on a good note to try and achieve some form of a win for both dog and handler? Well, you try and pick something. You know the pup's going to be – that can achieve, you know, if you've been training with it, sometimes you know the pup will do some certain thing all right. So you put it in a situation where the pup's going to win whatever you, you're doing with it and then take it out. Don't – don't try – like normally you're training a dog, you start off with, you know, your normal stuff that they've got the basic of and then you try and teach it something else. Well, I'd go back to the basics that it is doing all right. So you walk out with it winning that situation. Sometimes they're eventually going to have to make it do it. Are there any particular traits you'd like to put into your line moving forward? Oh, just that. Just the mustering? The mustering type side of it? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the rest, uh, you know, in bits and pieces, I've got most of the other stuff half all right. Yeah. There's definitely better ones out there. I know that. But, um, yeah, I'd just like to put a, 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 the the dog that thinks and musters pretty well uncommanded and just a bit more of that back into like I did have a couple of. You mentioned there that, like, you know, you've got a lot of things that you like, and you think that's why you change. Like you mentioned, a few different um, um, studs earlier, or um, lines of dog, so that you have those different tools in the toolbox. Yeah, that's exactly. And you know, we don't get over to the mainland that often, but the the lines I've chased, um, the dogs I've seen that I really consistently do the th things I want without. Much effort. And I suppose that's a pretty important thing there, like having a look at um, different styles of dogs and so you can determine, you know, what dog's going to suit you by actually watching them yeah. rather than taking and, them in the dark. And, and, and the way the handler works them, you know. Yep. You don't want a dog that you got to be – if you're working stock all day, you don't want to be a dog you got to be – commanding or you've got to be um, on top of all day it just becomes hard work when you're doing it five days a week you want a dog that you can, can be half a lazy stockman and just drive along and half go to sleep and he's in the right spots and the stock going in the right direction but yeah and that's what I'm yeah sort of trying to look for but then when you get to the yards they've got a couple of gears and they go up they don't have to be a real bash and crash because if you if you put your dog in the right spot, they'll flow through the yards, show the sheep the opening, and and most sheep will flow without too much bark. I don't like a dog that just barks for no reason at all. That that that's not as bad as a dog barking on the back of your ute. Very annoying. I reckon you just described half my mates there, mate. That's why they have so much time to Snapchat during the day because <laughs> their dogs yeah. are just throwing their dogs there and put the windows back up. Yeah, that's that's the best way you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question here from Natalie Grimmer. Do you find your better sheep workers translate their ability to cattle well and the other way around? Yep. All mine do. My, yeah, they all. Um, the thing is you've got to educate your cattle to, to your dogs. When I first come here, they used to bust them with bikes and tail enforced dogs, but... And then they'd break in about six different directions and go whichever. Um, 
now now you put your cat your dog in the paddock and the cattle run together and if the dogs don't hassle them too much they know where the gate is before before you even got a point they'll they'll head that way so but all you've got to have is a dog willing to hold his ground if one decides it wants to have a bit of a go and then it's all pretty easy it's, it's the same as if, if if you've got a dog that overheads and sheep or whatever your sheep you get used to not walking in a straight line so you're fighting them all the time if you've got a dog that steers them pretty correctly and puts the weight weight in the right place and that the sheep get used to it and they just walk off your dog anyway and it becomes comes a pretty easy instead of fighting all the time yeah absolutely best, best test for best test of your dog's lambs because if they don't put the weight in the right spot you've got a mess and you mentioned about the cattle breaking like how long like from cattle breaking six ways to being able to look for a gate how long a process does something like that normally take oh it probably took us a couple of years between the cup two of us you know the work stock very similar to sort of just and we didn't do anything special we just kept doing the same thing and the same thing when we when we handled them and when we got them to the yards you didn't try and bash and crash them through the yards and then the cattle just settled down and they know if, if they go out the other end, they're not going to get harassed. The same as they go through the gate, they know they're not going to get harassed. Yeah. Uh, second part to Nat's question, you were referring to strength in your dogs. Does this strength show in bite, bark, or are you preferring a dog that mainly uses its presence? Yeah, mainly uses its presence. I don't say, I'd never say bark with strength, never. Like it's a handy tool to have sometimes. But that's not strength. Strength is a dog that will stand in front of a cow when it's coming at it and not move. It might, it doesn't even have to bite them in the nose, but occasionally it does teach the cow the right that not to keep coming. But strength is just something that holds its ground or move forward positively when under pressure. That's my idea of strength. And, and go to that position in a yard or whatever is probably. Um, some dogs don't want to be there, but that, that dog that's strong enough, he'll, he'll keep going there all day for you. And he'll keep the back up without doing That's the presence probably more so than strength. Sheep will just naturally want to move off him. Do How far and few are those dogs for you guys down there? Oh, it's hard to say. It's like, like there's a few about, but you just... The trouble is you can't comment because there's a lot of people you just never see their dogs. You know, yeah. there's there's some blokes I know got some good dogs, but I've never seen them. Like I've seen a few pups that bred, and they're good pups. They're strong, but, but that's like that's why mustering dogs so hard hard to find somewhere to go to mustering. You can go to a yard dog trial and a three sheep trial, but they're actually not showing you a mustering dog or a utility trial. A mustering dog's something that again. And you just can't get onto people's places unless you know somebody to, to go and actually see them in action. That's probably the hard. That's why the mastering part's so hard to get hold of. Yeah. Mm. Um. So for you, who were the most influential dogs to get you to where you are today? Oh, my Michael Johnson's Buster. I used a fair bit of that stuff. Rick Jones's. Silver City stuff or Joneses or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And I've got a bit, bit, fair bit of um, 
Justin Toombs was George Tuff through the wine bar and a couple other ones. So that's, that's what, sort of. What do you think made them special and suit you? Uh, well, I see Michael a couple of times down here and I just like the way Buster worked and and well, what he did in trials, he, he must have been all right. And yes, <laughs> I tried a bit of that stuff. I tried a bit of Kevin Howe's Karana stuff too, yep. um, which was Buster stuff as well. And I've always sort of liked George because and, – and Gary White's, White's stuff too. Like, but George, every time I've seen trial, I've never sort of really seen him have a bad trial. Like some yep. dogs see have a good trial. He's always – every time I've actually been lucky enough to see him, he's, he's always gone pretty good. So And he, he moves his stock – or used to move, move his stock pretty good. He, he's probably on the blanket somewhere now. But yeah, it, I think he's in terms of, sitting in terms of his lounge room in the middle of – Middle of the lounge there. Yeah. He's <laughs> been a pretty consistent dog, George, hasn't yeah. he? And, mate, talking about um, different lines and, and what you've done, how do you go about starting a pup? Well, I just introduce it to um, sheep, say, six, six to eight weeks just to get them not to do anything, just to have a look at sheep. And, yeah, once or twice a week, Keep introducing them to to they switch on, and then just let them be a self a while, depending where the pup is at and how 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 it's going. Start to do a little bit better. I don't do a lot with them to the six months old, just the real basic stuff, like get them to come to you and sit and that. And then to, some are even is sort of oh, you got to read the pup a little bit. You know, not all all of them switch on early and. Some of the, some of the later ones that switch on are probably some of your your more thinking dogs. Sometimes, yeah, it's, it's all all a little bit different. It's more reading your pup than than saying set times and set procedures. Yeah, you, you sound like you're a pretty um, patient person, mate. A lot more patient than myself. <laughs> uh, I've done all the other stuff. <laughs> Used to want them up and about and get rid of them if they wasn't doing nothing by a certain time, but. Yeah, depends how many you go around you too. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And how much you like them? Yeah, and and that's the main thing of all. You know, you, you, if you don't like the pup, very, not very often it's going to end up. You might as well sort of move him on because you know how it is. If you if you if you're not bonding with him, you have it doesn't have to do a lot wrong for you not to like it. Hundred percent is better with somebody else. Yeah. Have you ever have you taken many dogs on that haven't suited other people? Then you they've been a superstar for yourself, or you just really just kind of grabbed you? Oh, I've 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 had dogs from other people. Um, I wouldn't say any of them's been superstars, but they've been good dogs and yeah. done purpose. I might have got them because for some reason I got short on dogs, and because this job you need yeah, a couple of injuries or a couple might die or or whatever. But, yeah, I wouldn't say any have been superstars, that's for sure. I usually find if you get them as a pup and, and train them yourself and you usually have the best bond and the, the best results. Yep. As long as they're a superstar at home, mate, nothing else matters. Well, like, and I, I, I dog trial and whatever, but end of the end of the day, you dog trial for 12 minutes with a dog. And if you've got it working for f five days a week, eight hours a day, 
he's got to work at home first or other it's a long day. That's right. Uh, another question here, with the natural type of worker that you are obviously preferring, how much training would you say you put them into you would put into them in general? Is it a case of mostly letting them learn on the job due to their natural setup or would you or would you put a fair bit of command on them before taking them out? Um, I, I, you do the basics with them because you've got to have a recall. You've got to have the basics to to get them. But we're talking a natural dog here too. So a natural dog can make you, if they're a really good natural dog, they can make you look a good trainer pretty easily because they, yeah. they, they, <laughs> they always go to the right spots normally and... That's why they're natural, like, and they usually can read their stock. So they usually, um, you've only got to have a recall on them to take them to work. Like, and the more you put on them, the better they get later on. But you've got to be a little bit careful. And I'm probably talking the real mustering type that you, you don't put too much on them because it, it, they're probably not. Well, this is only what I found. Yep. probably a bit softer in the mind, the real intelligent mustang dogs. So you don't want to put too much, you don't want to take their thinking out of them. Otherwise, you've lost what you want in yep. over commanding them and, and letting them think for themselves. If you've got to, if you, if you don't let them think for yourself, well, you've defeated what you wanted in the first place. Yeah, correct. You've turned the dog into something you wanted, not what you're looking for to start with. Yeah, that's yeah. If you if you want a robot, yeah, but it's a long day at work. <laughs> um, they don't have to feed robots, but uh, I don't know. They haven't got personalities either. No. We've spoken about trialing a bit, mate. How long have you been trialing for? Oh, probably twenty five years now. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that come about? Oh, I, well, it was when I got into Kelpies and, um, yeah, I thought, oh, well, I've got a, as you do, I suppose, you, you think you've got a half all right Kelpie and you think, oh, I want to go and see how good he is and, yeah, just went along and from there and he, he had a couple of, he was pretty rough and ready. He was a, a sort of shed dog with a bit of force and a bit of whatever, but, um, yeah, he went all right for a couple of trials and, and um you're right, mate you want to grab that no pretty good <laughs> get rid of it um yeah and then got the bug and yeah he, he sort of well, he wasn't over successful but he won a few things for me and then you then you start to think oh i need this and i need that and that's when you start looking at what's about and trying to get better and then the bugs away isn't it <laughs> Was there anyone that sort of influenced you to go do that and give it a go? No, not really. No. I, oh, there's a bloke called Michael Williams who was very successful in Tasmania and he had a he had the Bear Rock Kelpie start and he was tro still trolling. Then he doesn't troll anymore and he was very good to me when I come along and helped me out and and um, I always liked his type of dogs and they had a bit of grunt about them and whatever, so... Yeah, he was probably the bloke that helped me the most. And then, I, then I've met people on the mainland since who've been very good 
Yeah. What type of trialing do you prefer, mate? Or what, what have you had a crack at and what do you prefer? Um, I really like the utility trial and I haven't done very much at it and I'm not very good at it, but I think that's the closest closest trialling there is to actual your working day situation. Yeah. In Tassie, we, we struggle with enough young numbers to do an enclosed yard dog trial, so we just can't get enough people to do utility trialling. So we don't get much. We have one or two sort of farm utility trials. But, yeah, I really like to get in that and have a, have a line of dogs that was really good at that. But, yeah, that's probably down the track a bit further. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, mate, you you do a bit of yard trialling there. Do you want to tell us about your involvement with um, yard trialling in Tasmania? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm president of the, the Tasmanian branch of the yard dog trialling. And, yeah, so we've got a probably a uh, hectic six months coming up with trying to organise the Australian and the National Kelpie down here. Yep. Which we've got on the 30th, the utilities, National Kelpie's on on the 30th of March to the 2nd of May and then we go into the Yard Dog from the 6th to the 9th of May. Uh, yeah, 6th to 9th of May, all here at Connerville. So, yeah, we'll have a bit of work. Hopefully everyone will get fresh sheep and... We've got enough sheep, so everyone can have. A, everyone's got fresh sheep every run they have. So we'll try and make it fair and as even and as good as we can. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. mate. How many people are you expecting? Oh, it's just hard to know what COVID is and the yeah. boat. The boat's a little bit of an issue. If if anyone is thinking of coming, I've tried to get in contact with them, but they they won't do me any favors. But <laughs> um, yeah, just trying to get help people out and get on it. But they've just got their set, whatever and. So if people are thinking of coming, they, they should ring up the spirit and book. The best way to is if you're going to bring dogs is don't try and do it online, ring, ring them personally and because they can put you on to space and mm-hmm. what's available and that. It doesn't come up that well on the internet, but, yeah. And also trying to have a, have a cattle trial while, while everyone's down here. That's not final yet, but hopefully I'm get the last couple of dots together and, We'll do that and have, hopefully have an all-round dog over the three events. But That'd be pretty cool. Fingers crossed yeah. for that. Yeah. So You didn't call the boat to give them a list of names of people not to let over, did mm-hmm. you? No. <laughs> we want as many as we can get. Beggars <laughs> can't be choosers. <laughs> Thought I'd ask the question. <laughs> so how is trialling in Tasmania different from trialling on the mainland, if at all? Besides numbers, I suppose. Yeah, numbers is a big thing. And of course, the numbers, it's probably, it's not as, you know, the top end dogs. Uh, um, there's not a higher number, high number of top end dogs. Like yeah. you know, the main trials have probably got one or two that would be competitive on the mainland. But other than that, yeah, that's, and that's just lack of numbers. and and so forth. Nearly everything else we do the same. Yeah, as... same kind of course set up. Yeah, exactly the same, yeah. 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 Is there any, mm. being the president of the Tassie Association there, is there any changes you'd like to see to, to trialling in general or within trialling within Australia? Not really. It's working pretty well as is. There's no need to reinvent the wheel, is there, when, when it's working well? Um, 
And you want to keep – you want it so people are bringing working dogs to the trials. Yeah. You don't want it to get too technical that that you, it becomes a specialised event. Like the three sheep, sheep have nearly come, become, become that, 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 that – then, then you're staying to breed dogs that haven't got a working background. If you go to too technical, that's the main thing. I don't think we should should do. We should should be, you should be able to take your dog off the farm and put him in a trial and do the course without making it too technical. Without becoming professionals. Yeah. Well, you you, you can make it professional, but don't don't be professional about the way you go about it. Yep. But don't make the rules so they're technical that, it's, that they're not practical. Yeah, 100%. Totally, totally agree with you, mate. Yeah. Um, in your travels throughout Australia, is there something you see handlers struggle with and where do you believe they can improve? I struggle with a lot of things. So I don't know why you <laughs> comment on that one. <laughs> no. No, although no, but everyone knows what people struggle with. Yeah, it's, mm. you, you got a question there. Uh, question here uh, from Natalie Grimmer. In the country you're working, do you use more whistle or voice commands? A bit of both. Yeah, obviously when they're further away, you're probably whistling a bit more. Yeah, that's yeah, and um, especially if they're out of sight. Yep. Like just just so that if they're pulling the sheep back to you, like we've got a few valleys and top of ledges and that that you can't see your dog when they go. So you're just trying to tell him where you are, hoping Natalie brings them back, pulls them <laughs> in straight away. Yeah. yeah. And have you got a preference? What about in the yards? Well, mainly voice command in the yards. Yeah. 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 Okay. Occasionally I use it. Occasionally I use a whistle with it, but yeah, yep. mainly voice. Yeah. Do you do you find you have that some dogs there that you you kind of have to whistle with more than use a voice? No, not really. There's not probably really? there's probably the other way around. Yeah, right. There's a couple of years I've got to use my voice instead of a whistle. I reckon that's because you sound like a patient kind of bloke, mate. Um, so I can't that's... imagine you there screaming their head off at them all the time either. Oh, sometimes it can happen. <laughs> Uh, question here from Maddie: If you had to choose sausage dog or kelpie, uh, that's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> She's stitching you up, mate. Yeah. I think we still need an answer for that one. <laughs> She's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it? Um, do you have a favourite trial to participate in, or would like to? Ah. Uh, um, oh, obviously, the Australians my favourite, yeah. Like Bendigo in Victoria, like going to that show. Um, but Australian, and I like going to Western Australia, like, I like the way that I, I just like it over there. They, they're friendly, they want you really good hospitality when you go over there, yeah. And is the trialing itself any different? Oh, over Western Australia, it is, yeah. And I probably like the way they do it a little bit in. That you can run in the yard, or you can do a utility and the yard, or just do the outside arena work. I think because they're a bit the smaller club, I think they find that works well. And what I've seen of it, it seems to work well. Yeah, and they're probably because oh, they've got a lot more border collies, and and 
and and that over there um that they've got quite a few that just want to do arenas and that too so they're trying to keep everyone working together so that seems to work pretty well uh question here from ollie hansen which of the dogs that you've seen in the last few years would you love to own um would have george it would have been <laughs> yeah um I like um, Matty Sher- Sherwood's dog, Wonder. Yeah? Yeah. What do you like about Wonder? Oh, just a uh, way he didn't hassle his sheep and he had nice distance. And Yeah, I've only seen him a couple of times, but I always liked the way he worked. Yeah. Yeah, I like a couple of Dean Inch's dogs, Raffer and Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, more so for the other way. They just seem, yeah, seem to get the job done well. Yeah. And um, you've mentioned before, like, and obviously I've mentioned that you've been pretty patient. I have a question here. What's the longest you would wait for a dog to fully switch on? I have waited nearly 12 months. Yeah. You are yeah. patient. And that, that was because the bloke told me they were really, really do switch on late. So, yeah. Yeah. And- yeah, and it, it, it ended up going really well. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 the outer limit, though. Like, yeah. and, it, and it's and it de- and it depends. If you only got one or two pups, you can probably wait that long. But if yeah. you've got six or seven pups and five or six of them switched on, you're probably going to get rid of the one that hasn't switched on. Yeah, there's somebody, there's some some real good breeder or somebody with a lot of dog knowledge that said, "Oh, I'd wait a bit longer for that pup." You always take advice from. People that are better at it than you. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned before, sorry, at when you have the Australian there, you um, get, try to put on a cattle trial. Is cattle trialling something that you do a bit of in Tassie? No, not at all. Yeah, so this no. will be one in, I'm saying one in a year, one in two years. It would be pretty rare. Yeah, well, it's the first one ever I know of. Oh, there you go. Yeah, wow. There you go. So everyone jump on board if you're down in Tassie. Like, hopefully, um, hopefully they can get it going and um, yeah, let's yeah. let's go on board and support it. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully it will. Yeah, I've just got to, anything. I've got to line up some panels and a couple of other things. But yeah, I uh, just throw up some bloody string on the couple of pickets, mate. <laughs> should be all right. Uh, <laughs> got a few <laughs> Angus cows here, you know. Well, maybe not. <laughs> Uh, what do you feel is your best achievement so far? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I've been lucky enough to win a couple of Tassie championships. So, and oh, this year, which I, I was only a tag along, but um, we won the interstate Tasmania won the interstate challenge. Simon Bowden, he done all the hard work. I just tagged lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, so that was pretty good you know, for a small state like us so yeah i thought that was pretty good actually being a small state how many handlers would you expect at the yard trial 15 yeah okay so yeah. I, i'm assuming it's gonna be pretty competitive amongst 15 people like you know um you get in there let's and- include let's include novice so yeah sort of yeah yeah, yeah our um our open just at the moment only about six or seven competitors. Yeah, just that it's just yeah, we're just going through a period. We had quite a few and then was just dropped off and a couple with work commitments and yep. different things. Yeah. 
So that's pretty cool, and I, I suppose it'll be pretty competitive. And I know some of the I've met some of the Tassie handlers um, at Australians, and pretty pretty awesome people. And be pretty competitive just having smaller bunch of bikes or, or people, men and women. It'll be a yeah. bit of rivalry between us. Yeah, it's all good. We all, all two or three of them come up here and work at different times, so we all like a beer together anyway. So as much as you hate losing to them, you can always have a beer after. With five or six competitors, you should swap each other's dogs out one day and try them and see how he's all go. <laughs> yeah, don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so when starting out, who inspired you to get into dogs? To be in the trialing, oh, no, I just sort of see a couple of adverts about it and I got that dog, like, in the, um, when I was working in the sheds and shearing and wool classing and, yeah, thought I'd like to test him. Yeah, went yeah. from there. Has there anyone that you've seen, like, handle a dog and gone, shit, I, I, I want to learn something from that person? Oh, yeah, there's been two or three. Um, Justin Toombs. He, he don't seem to ever get flustered or he seems a pretty handy dog. He's working, running around the course. Too. He's got um, cool in his veins. Yeah, Gary White, yeah. he's obviously. Yeah, another one. Another one that's, yeah. And Jake Nolan, like he, I'd like to do one of his schools at some stage. Just yeah. He's got different training methods. Or if you take one or two things away from him, you're learning something all the time. Hmm. Do you get the opportunity to run many schools for beginners down there? Oh, we try and run uh, one or three just through the club, just to get a bit of money into the club. But yep. And a couple of people come down and, yeah, we try to get somebody down every now and then. So, yeah. And do you get many new people coming through the trialling scene? You do, yeah. Yeah. We've got a quite, quite you know, in the novice now, we've got, you know, probably six or seven new new people coming along some last and some don't yeah so, mm. um is there a message you'd like to get out into the industry oh just enjoy working your dogs yeah if you don't enjoy working it there's not much point doing no, it it's, it's tough day in the office if it's stressful isn't it yeah it can be stressful enough without not enjoying working dogs and uh, what do you do away from dogs, mate? Any hidden talents or hobbies? Or are you no. one of those people at a party and uh, you've got no one to talk to because there's no one to talk about dogs? Oh, Ken, that'll, that'll shoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do a bit of fishing. Um, yeah. A bit of shooting. Not that much yeah. shooting anymore, but yeah, that's about the extent of it. Yeah, okay. Uh, is there anything you'd like us? To uh, you'd like to see us introduced to dog talk, or I think it's going pretty well as it is. Um, yeah, just this just sit here and answer questions. And <laughs> oh, I was hoping you'd be the first one to tell us that you've got to do this and this is how you got to do it and this is why. I suppose I think it's you know, we're pretty like it's hard to, to talk to people or get stuff when you're down here so yeah. that you. And you hear of people's names, and and because I've been away a couple of times, you've met a few people. But yeah, it's good to see hear about their backgrounds and that sort of stuff. It's pretty interesting, and like obviously you had cattle people on and everyone that probably would have never ever met, but you sort of get to hear 
about their life and what they how they've come about it. Yeah, mm. it's pretty cool. It's uh, no thanks. That's that is something we try to do. Try and spread the love a bit so you know everybody yeah. hears a bit about everyone and you know everybody's interests. Anyone you'd like to see us sit down and do a Q and A with? Oh, I'd like you get get Toomsy on here. There you go, big fella, Toomsy. Uh, Rick Jones. Rick Jones. I reckon he did pretty pretty interesting have on there. Yeah. Um, and somebody from Western Australia. Yeah. Gordon Curtis or yeah, somebody like yeah. that. Actually yeah. talking to uh, to Gordon and um, reception's been a bit of an issue issue for Gordon. So. Um, yeah, it's something that we are working on. We, when we started Dog Talk, we that's one thing we kind of didn't account for was poor service and how poor the service was in Australia. And time and, differences. And it, uh, we didn't really allow for daylight savings. Daylight savings <laughs> and different time allowances either. So, um, but there you go. We'll, uh, we'll get back on the Gordon and see if he's uh, got any, if his reception's got any better. Mate, any question, any particular question that stood out for you there tonight? Uh, what's the um girl was it grimmer grimmer yeah natalie natalie well, perfect there you go natalie get on get in on board give us a message a message and we'll get a bag of enduro dog food out uh so it's that time of night thank you all of our members for tuning in and of course adrian for your time tonight really appreciate it before we go one question would you rather fight oh. One duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? Well, I definitely wouldn't want 20 horses here. So <laughs> one horse the size of a – one duck the size of a horse. And that, that's purely just a numbers game for you? Yep. Yeah, I'll answer right then. So, everyone, hope you had a great night. Please remember the day we stop learning is a sad day for all of us. And have a great night. Thanks again for your time, Adrian. Thank you. No, I see ya. See Cheers, ya. mate.